Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not proud, but that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity Not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy. I write the blog Unpickled, and I've been telling my story of life after alcohol there uh, since my very first day of sobriety back in 2011. So that's where I tell my stories. And then I invite all of you to tell your stories here. Before I get to today's guest, I just want to give you a little heads up of something very exciting that I have in the works for the summer. So I have a, quite a lot going on this summer. Little uh, Our new little grandson Fletcher arrived and he's just adorable. So that's three little grandsons for us. And that's of course, very fun and time consuming. We have a wedding coming up in two weeks. Our other son's getting married. That will be fantastic. And then Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going on vacation to the lake to hide out for a couple of weeks and put the finishing touches on the novel that I'm writing. So while I'm there, I am going to um, plan ahead so that there are some really great podcasts for you to listen to while I'm gone. I have a plan that over the coming weeks, I'm going to be interviewing Ellie, the founder of The Bubble Hour, Amanda, one of the former co-hosts, and Catherine, one of the other former co-hosts. An hour with each of them. And when, before I go on holidays uh, at the end of the month, I'm going to post all three of those so that you have a nice big lump of familiar, fantastic interviews to listen to while I'm away. So for those of you that are longtime listeners of the show and I love and miss those ladies as much as I do. I know you're going to really, really be happy to hear from them in a few weeks when I dump that pile of interviews for you. Now, let's talk about today's guest. I met this lovely, lovely lady at a retreat a few months back, and we had such a funny meeting when when we first met. And I'll let her talk about that if she wants. I'm sure we'll have a laugh about it later. But... <laughs> Her name is Chris Engen, and she has got a business called Nutrition for Recovery. So what Chris has done is really partnered her passion for recovery with her nutrition expertise to help others be as well and strong in their recovery as they can possibly be. And she's going to explain to us how that works after she tells us a bit of her own story. Chris, welcome to the Bubble Hour. Hi, Jean. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm good, and I'm happy to hear your voice. I was telling you how much I love your voice. It's just, you make me smile as soon as I hear you talk. (laughs) (laughs) You're so nice. Oh, my gosh. When I was just, I have to say, um, listening to the song, the introduction of your podcast, I just teared up (laughs) because I got to hear you sing that in person at the retreat in Mexico where we met, and... um, I just had a little emotional moment there to myself, just so you know. That was a pretty special moment. We had all the lights that we were in a sharing circle. Oh. And, when it, and when it was my turn to share, I asked, could I just sing for you guys? And so I had everybody, I think you were all like snapping your fingers for me or you something. You snap. <laughs> and I didn't know. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So to go to your, your um, intro of having me share how we met, I didn't know that I hadn't put it all, wait, had I put it all together at that point? When you had a snapping, I didn't realize that was the beginning of the song. And then you're singing the bubble hour song. And it just, it was this, it was this surreal experience 
Um, but yeah, so I know, so I, hi everybody. I'm Chris. <laughs> I <laughs> went on that. I went on that. She recovers Mexico retreat last May. I, I just got back from the 2019 one in May also, but this was actually May, 2018 when I met you and I went sight. I went knowing nothing. I didn't, I went online. I found she recovers on the website. I signed up to go to Mexico, um, knowing nobody. Just I booked, I paid, I booked the flight, and I got on the plane. So um, when I heard your name, Jean, and then we started talking, and then you said you wrote Unpickled. Uh, that's the blog that I. That was my very. That and Bell's um, tired of thinking about drinking and then you're unpickled. Those were the two that I had um, started reading back in 2012 when I started trying to get sober. And I remember laying on my lounge chair reading and just like absolutely loving everything about your writing, um, thinking you were so, and you weren't even, you weren't out yet. You didn't have your picture up or anything. So to me, meeting you in Mexico was like, (laughs) it was, Oh my gosh. And girl, there she is. Like you were my inspiration so long ago. And I used to listen to the bubble hour while I was Yeah, walking on the trails down by my house. Um Yeah, I mean it was just such a treat to meet you in person. I'm sure the look on my face is priceless. <laughs> well, it off. was very funny because it was the very first night and you had arrived I don't know if there was a hiccup in your travel plans or something, but you arrived after everyone else. It was late and you were really tired. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. were, you know, you, so when you're the last one to arrive in a room full of, I don't know, 24 maybe women who were all talking and seem like they all know each other. And then, you know, you're the last one that has to kind yep. of come in and be like, hey, I'm Chris. And so you're quickly trying to get up to speed with who everybody was. So you and I stood talking oh my in, the, gosh. in the kitchen at the end of the night. And it was so funny uh-huh. because you just started, you're like, oh, you write Unpickled? Oh my God, I know that blog. And then I said, yeah, and I, I do this podcast just called Bubble. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and then you were having this like revelation. And it was so I funny know. because um, you were, you know, you were tired and you were almost like too tired to be excited. And it was just really, really cute. And, and I, of course, was I was like, really overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> you were over and I could see why. Overwhelmed. Not because like, of me, but way. yeah, there was just so much well, coming at you that night. And uh, so it was kind of funny. And then the next day you were like, um, you know, I'm really like, I'm really happy to meet you. Right. Like, did that come across? <laughs> Cause I don't, I was really overwhelmed. <laughs> So anyway, it was it was really cute, and you know I have like no ego about doing this stuff. So I have I never have any expectation for people to like um, care who I am outside of the fact that we all care mm-hmm. who each other is. So I mean, right, it was right. just, yeah, it was just it was funny how it all kind of came together. So you and I had a good laugh right off the bat, and then yeah, what an amazing week. Oh. <laughs> yeah, how was it going back? What was the ex- Tell me about the experience of going back for a second time. Oh my gosh, it was uh, it was really, you know what? I was going to say it was night and day, but it wasn't. I mean, it was different. It was a lot was different, but a lot was the same. I mean, obviously the venues the same, the beautiful villa in Playa Secreto and Sharon Lee, um, Dawn and Taryn and the program. But coming back a second time was I knew at least. I want to say eight people already. So the comfort level was completely different. It was like a reunion of friends. And, right. and those, the women I met on the first Mexico retreat, we'd stayed in touch, um, some a little more than others, but definitely throughout the year. And then also down in LA for this, she recovers. Um, that's not called a retreat. That's called a, the event, I think the conference. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. A conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So there was this anticipation about seeing all my all my buddies from last year and just building the community um, was so great to catch up like that. And it was uh, it was it was so it was just great to do the same thing, the same retreat a year later to mark a year of sobriety. Um, there are so many 
really special moments between me separately with different people. Um, and then just as a group, this, this Mexico group was really, all groups are different. You know, I was going to say it was, it was just really cohesive and very supportive, um, met a lot, added more people to the sober community and, um, people I consider lifelong friends now. And Mm -hmm. I would highly recommend if anybody wants to check out She Recovers or any of their retreats, um, it's just, I don't even have enough words to use people. (laughs) I mean, it's really overwhelming. I mean, just yoga twice a day, lots of self, lots of self-examination, lots of unpeeling of layers, um, Someone put a labyrinth out and with seaweed, I think, and we walked a labyrinth out on the beach, and that was amazing. And uh, um, Peyton did her dance. She recovers dance. Yes, I want to call a it new. This is a new it element. Very, it's like it's like a yoga uh, dance kind of thing, right? It's kind of a guided. Um, like it's a kind of a mix between yoga and dance and I've done it a couple times at Kripalu and which is a, another mm. yoga center. And I'm like, I'm so uptight. I had a really <laughs> hard time like peeling myself off the wall and joining in. But by the end I was mm-hmm. just shaking it with everybody else. It's, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's a really neat, um, it's a it's a really neat experience. I'll have to have Peyton come on and talk about that a little more. But she recovers mm. is a really lovely program, and there are other similar things. Um, I know a lot of AA groups do trips together, or that there's you know big conventions and meetups and stuff. And the thing that I find so amazing is just to immerse yourself in recovery 24 hours a day, and instead of sort of like having it be this like subplot of your life it's it's what you talk about all day every day and you're in this like totally safe environment where there's nothing to resist right there's like there's no tray of mimosas going by in the morning the food is all nutritious (laughs) and healthy you can eat all you want the the like there there is an alcohol on site and all the people you're with are doing the same thing you're doing which is just trying to grow and change and and that it's, it's, that is just such an amazing experience. Um, let's talk about yeah, you a little there's, bit. There's no, there's no small talk in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> um, no small talk. That sums it up. I mean, there's no small talk. It's, you you, you go right to the, just, right to the good stuff. You go right to your, to your, your depth of your soul. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. So, well, tell us yeah, about so you. What's, about, what's your life like about, back home? Let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us about yourself. So, okay. So, my life at home. Um, I am. I live in Northern California, and I am a mother to three kids. I have a 15-year-old son, a daughter who will be 14 next week, and um, my youngest son is 12. And I'm a single mom. Um, I like to, let's see, I'm the triathlete. I'm the swimmer. That was another funny story from Mexico. I was always out in the water swimming for hours and everybody was really worried about me. And I was not used to people caring what I was doing. So (laughs) that was a bit of a learning experience. Oh, wow. Somebody's concerned about me. Interesting. Um, So, but yeah, I do triathlons. Um, I've done triathlons for about 20 years. It's actually always been working out and exercise have always been kind of part of my program anyway. Um, It's the one thing that I have consistently done throughout my life, despite having my struggles um, with alcohol. I've always made room for working out, which I think in a lot of ways kept me, um, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but but it was always important to me. It was always important to me, health, health and fitness, and even what I was eating, um, always was something that that I paid attention to. Um, so I still do. I do triathlons like two or three a season. Um, I'm very committed to that. <laughs> 
So getting, <clears throat> I don't, trying to figure out how to segue this into my sobriety because it is all related. Um, it was something that was confusing to me where I could be so successful with academics, um, at my job, at the race events, and, and yet still not be able to quit drinking when I wanted to quit drinking. Um, that, that was baffling to me. And, um, cause I was a binge drinker and I just thought, well, since I can, I don't know if it was, I only drank occasionally anyway, but I would over drink. So then I thought, well, since this keeps turning out this, since this, I keep having negative consequences from this, I should be able to just say, um, that's enough. And I'm not going to do that anymore because I knew I wasn't physically addicted to alcohol. And it, it took a very long time to actually see it, see it as the same problem, but just manifesting in a different way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, that it was hard for me to relate to the person who needed to drink every single day. Cause that wasn't me or since they needed to, or wanted to, or whatever. So I think it was that element of thinking that I was, I had control of it. Um, and that kind of kept me in denial for a while. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that rings true for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, throughout, that struggle, if you will, of over drinking and then saying I wasn't going to drink and getting long stretches of not drinking, but then going back to it again. Um, that's something that I've struggled with, with for probably about, I'd say six or seven years, um, over that's the amount of time it took me basically to quit for good. So for anybody out there that's listening, keep on trying. <laughs> keep uh, you on know, trying. Can we talk about that just a little bit? It took you six or seven yes. years to quit for good. So did you stop and start during that time, Chris? Or were you just sort of thinking about it and always planning but not doing it? Or what did that look like for you? Oh, I um, I stopped and started. I was not just thinking about it. So tracing back to post-divorce pretty much um you know I'm getting the dates kind of mixed up but it was right like yeah six or seven years of probably realizing that I needed to stop and then stopping for a while and then getting that amnesia of forgetting how bad it was Mm -hmm. and then starting again and I lived that cycle for a very long time. Um, I really wanted to stop, but my brain, um, I'd say just, I, I, I kept, I didn't have enough tools in place. I didn't, um, surround myself with the right kind of supportive community. Um, there was a definite large amount of denial. Um, my family of origin played into the denial um, I mean, it's, it's, as you know, it's a, I'd say it's a, it's complicated yet. It's not, you know, when you put everything out on paper, it kind of makes sense. So looking back, but when you're in it, it's pretty easy to justify away some behavior or to, to mm-hmm. normalize it, if you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think acceptance was part of what was lacking for you or what, how would you identify that? Was the missing piece um, of the puzzle? Yeah, acceptance, um, surrender. I think the difference between desperation and surrender is huge because the, the desperation is that sort of short term, like I'm desperate, I want to quit, I'll do anything. But then, if you've not completely surrendered. It's not going to stay. It's not. It's uh, you haven't created new habits and changed your life. It's not sustainable. That is powerful. That is really powerful. Um, how did you do it then? 
How did how did it work <laughs> for you? What what made the difference? <laughs> well, it was a lot of things. I like to refer to myself as you know a complicated case. <laughs> right. And it was a lot of things. It started with it started with your blog and other sober bloggers and reading and realizing that they're because I was too embarrassed to tell people in my immediate um, community because I was a huge part of a lot of drinking groups. And it, I mean, <laughs> I'll have to watch what I'm, I was about to mention. <laughs> I was, I was part of like, like many people. I mean, just life in general, there's a lot of, of drinking going on and I didn't know how to remove myself from that. So um, I was doing what I believe you did, which was secretly try to quit drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that, and for, I've heard some people, you know, that works where they just keep doing the same thing. And I'm on the BFB and she recovers together and um, different people reaching out saying that they're not wanting to tell anybody about it. And they're figuring out how to um, say they're doing a cleanse or say they're doing say they're detoxing or they're on antibiotics or whatever, rather than just saying, I don't drink. So that was me for years and years. So that would be like the number one thing is when I finally just started saying out loud, not even that I have a problem, but just, just to be honest with the people around me and saying, Hey, I don't drink, I'm not drinking and not make an excuse for it. Um, making that shift and starting to change the people that I hang out with. So, being being athletic, being a triathlete, um, being being someone who cares about my body, um, that helped a lot too. I think that actually really helped because I would I would not like I said. I mean, I wouldn't go more than a day or two of drinking because I needed to feel better again. So it was like I was equally addicted to the drinking and the working out, or and to the nutrition athletic side. So that was hard for other people to see that I had a problem because I was just fun. It, it was not something that was in anybody else's face, right? It was my own little kind of secret. Although over time it became more obvious. But so, tell me, sorry, tell me just briefly about that's okay. But I have a question about the triathlete world, triathlon world, because it's such uh-huh. a extreme. Like it seems extreme to me because, look, I don't do it. <laughs> It seems like way too yeah, much yeah, work yeah. for me, um, and I and I'm uh, I'm part cat I think because I don't like to swim, I don't like the water, I don't like to get wet. I'm not like you <laughs> at all. So um, what I'm wondering is like, does that does, does the sort of extreme nature of uh, triathlons does that bring out that like work hard, play hard kind of culture? Because I know there's some. There's some um, areas of athletic life that are demanding physically, but also have a drinking culture that goes hand in hand with them. Oh, yeah. Yes? It absolutely went together. 10,000%. Yes. Really? It, it, it was, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that, that leads into uh, the nutrition side of it, too, where you, um, Wanting to, one of the main things I realized looking back is I would drink too much and then some people eat too much, right? Because we, we all know everyone's in recovery from something. So it's another thing here, but, um, <laughs> this, this call could be five hours, 10, right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so I'm trying to sort out my thoughts here, but, um, for me, it was the compensating So there are two things going on with I'm doing this really extreme athletic endeavor. Um, So there was either like, okay, now I'm going to reward myself. So there was that way. But then there was also the, I'm, I, I overdrank last night and now I'm going to push myself. I'm going to run 10 miles to cancel that out. So it's almost like you're trying to prove to yourself and to anybody else who might be paying attention. I don't really have a problem. Right. So, um, does that make sense? Did I explain that? Oh, right? yeah. Because to me, it was two things. Yeah. And same with food, like where people, 
um, and I have clients that aren't in recovery, but people who, who use exercise, um, I would say you can't out exercise a bad diet. You just can't. And, and Darn it. people do that where it's like, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> That's my whole plan. Okay. You know, I'm gonna eat a half a cake. And then if I get up tomorrow, I'm going to run 10 miles. And it's so much more than calories in calories out. And then, uh, with alcohol, I mean, drinking too much and then trying to prove yourself the next day by going, Oh, I still could run that 10 K. I still went on that 50 mile bike ride. Uh, that's one way of doing it. Or you go on the 50 mile bike ride and then you have five drinks after it, uh, which also doesn't make sense, <laughs> but <laughs> it's really not a good idea to replenish your, your lost um, energy stores with beer. <laughs> and that's what lots of people do. So, so d- did you, so, yeah. did your, um, your knowledge in nutrition, did that come before your recovery or how did, when did that come into play and how did okay. your business unfold? Well, so what happens with that? So I always, I have always been interested in nutrition. Um, I, I went to school and I majored in business economics, but throughout the whole time, you know, I was always taking course, taking, I did take nutrition courses and just following, but what I thought was healthy was not healthy because I was brought up in the seventies. You know, um, my parents were dieters. I knew all the calories and everything at age 10. Um, so, and, and tons of people today don't know the right way to eat it. It was all about low calorie, um, artificial sweetener and low fat. So those myths, carried on where, yes, I was interested in nutrition, but that's what I understood nutrition to be. So then after a series of events that led me to leave, to leave my, uh, my marketing advertising job, and I decided to go back to school for nutrition specifically, and that was kind of during the time, towards the end, actually, of, of my, it became therapeutic for me. So I had been making great strides in in my recovery, um, in the ways I could, which was, like I said, uh, online, um, reading sober blogs. Um, I did go to AA a little bit. Um, I even did it. I did an outpatient program at Kaiser. That was wonderful. I just kept adding the tools in the toolbox. And this nutrition piece was the last piece for me going to school where I decided, okay, I've always been interested in nutrition, so um, I think I think I'm going to start a second career in nutrition. And <laughs> I went to school and started studying, and then that sealed. That was the absolute. That is absolutely what solidified my recovery, and that's what I became very passionate about it because I had never taken the time to learn. I was more about calories in, calories out. How can I cancel out? this food I ate, how can I cancel out this alcohol I ate and I drink? And I never thought about how food um, is, we are what we eat. I mean, it all starts with food. <clears throat> all health, all disease, all health began in the gut. Like gut health to me was fascinating. I always thought you just eat to, you know, <laughs> eliminate, start over. And just learning how the body works, um, how we need the macronutrients, protein, carbohydrate, healthy fats, learning that eating full fat was healthy, um, learning that it's actually sugar that causes heart disease, um, that high cholesterol isn't caused by saturated fats. I mean, just so many myths out there that that became true to me as I was, as I was learning. And it's a two years, a two-year course, a very intensive um, course at Bowman College out in Berkeley for my nutrition consultant certification. So it really, the more I learned, the more I didn't want to, the more I just saw, I just didn't want to poison myself like that anymore, Jean. Like, that is the absolute truth of it was, wow, alcohol is a toxin. 
There is there are no health benefits to alcohol, not one. Anything that somebody would say from drinking red wine, if you can drink grape juice and get the same exact antioxidants. Right. <laughs> and the, those studies yeah. were really, you know, those were really junk science studies that then were overblown mm-hmm. by the media because they were such a feel, it was such a feel good story. I mean, I feel like, I don't know if this is true or not, but the same kind of goes for the caffeine stories that they tell us, right? Like caffeine is so good for you. Coffee oh my is God, so good yeah. for you. <laughs> and we're like, yay, I'll oh have God. another. <laughs> so I, I think that it's that was so kind depleting. of like, yeah. So, um, no, uh, you're, you're right in that. I know. I mean, I could spend tens of time on that, too. So the sugar study is an important one to mention, just that the sugar industry actually paid to bury the studies that where they found that it was um, sugar that caused the heart disease, sugar. Like, it can all be traced back to the rise in diabetes and o- obesity or all track traced back to the 1970s from when they took fat out of the diet of Americans. And it was, it was all a lie. <laughs> and we, we were pretty we believed remarkable. it so much back then because oh, I mean, yeah. it was the science. We believed it in the science that we were hearing. And I think you we and I are close in age. So fat. we were, and we were like such impressionable kids at that age, right? Like we're just, I'm just turning 52. And so in the seventies, I was just sort of getting yep. to that age where you start like looking around at, at the older, older teenagers or the the young women that you admire to see like, oh, what are they doing? Okay, they're drinking diet soda. That was a new thing, right? And um, and just doing yep. all these these things that we sort of were being modeled for us as being healthy choices. So so um, so here's the chicken and the egg thing then. So your education about nutrition, it sounds like it helped to power your recovery in a lot of ways. As you, it, it helped it snowball and helped you to really see that this was more than just um, acceptance of the need to quit drinking, but that there were yes. incredible health benefits for you as well. Yes, so exactly. So while I was in school, in my, my education and nutrition, learning um, everything about how, I mean, hearing that you're a new person every single day, what you eat, your cells are constantly regenerating. Um, you're actually a whole new person in seven years. Uh, that to me was really eye-opening on so many levels. And one of them was, was a mental level of, you know, cause we don't like ourselves a lot when we're drinking. Right. So it's <laughs> yeah. like moving away, kind of moving away from the old me into the new me um, with food. You have to eat. I mean, you have to eat. So nourishing myself became uh, like the highest form of self-care where I felt like I had all these other tools, like mental tools that I could use to help me. But once I started taking care of my body in the right way, which meant eating healthy fats, eating a lot of protein, organic foods, organic produce, um, and nourishing my body, it became a new um it just made me really, really start to like myself, you know, really start to take care of myself. And, and the more, the better I felt, the easier it was to make the right choices when it came to anything related to recovery, you know, where we're trying to make sure we're not putting ourselves into risky of situations. There's that whole risk protection, um, that, that really resonated with me when I learned that how when you're in recovery to make sure that you're in more protective situations than you are in risky situations. Risky situations mean being going to a bar, even though you're not drinking or hanging out with old friends that trigger you, you know, versus um, going to an AA meeting or going for a hike in nature or anything that's recovery based. So, Nutrition became another tool in my toolbox where the more I learned, the more I wanted to take care of myself and I didn't want to, I didn't want to hurt my body. I saw that it was just, it, it advances aging. It's so bad for your, um, for your liver. It's linked to a lot of diseases. Um, and then of course the brain, which is the other area. So there's two things that I study. One is two things that I, that I offer my clients. So 
and they go together. It's the Nutrition for Recovery, which is the name of my company, and um, How to Eat, and also there's Amino Acid Therapy, which is nutritional therapy, or it's also called neuronutrient therapy, Um, and it's using targeted amino acids to correct underlying deficiencies in neurotransmitter systems. Okay, that's, that's probably what, right over my head. Because I don't know bit? what that means. <laughs> <laughs> explain right. it to me so like it, I'm five. <laughs> I know exactly. So I, I, so that is my new. Like, if you can hear it in my voice, I'm so incredibly excited about this because I've already changed. I've helped so many people change their lives with this amino acid therapy slash nutrition program. Um, and it all comes down to, so neuro, your um, amino acids are the, what proteins are made out of. Um, and neurotransmitters are the chemical messengers in your brain that, can, that give you um, feelings of emotional stability, self-confidence, um, uh, alertness, mental focus, drive, enthusiasm, calmness, stress tolerance. It's, it's all of those those moves, right? So if they become um, imbalanced, if there's a deficiency there, that's what can cause things like, um, like depression, anxiety, panic attacks. Um, so if somebody's um, having ADD, having lack of attention, um, extreme emotional pain, highly sensitive person, all of those issues, all of those those um, moods, if you will. Julia Ross wrote The Mood Cure, The Diet Cure, and The Craving Cure, and she writes all about this, and um, she calls them false moods because there's real mood, there's <clears throat> real reasons why a person should feel down, and then there's kind of that, that feeling of, of depression that's not, that, that's just a mood, and that okay. is when your neurotransmitters are not, I look at it as like a bucket and say, okay, your bucket isn't full. So these targeted amino acids are available in, uh, like at Whole Foods or vitamin stores. I have an online dispensary, uh, and they're just capsules or powders that you use. And by identifying which neurotransmitter system is deficient, then I recommend which amino acids to take to fill up that bucket again. So I can give so you, you're you, probably still kind of lost. No, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you're making it really understandable. But how do you know okay. then which ones are deficient? Is it, is it something you can see through the symptoms? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So there's, um, there's a chart that I have people fill out. And so the four categories, there's the four different systems, which are dopamine. Everybody's familiar with the word dopamine, or not everybody, oh, yeah. I guess, but if you've done any reading on <laughs> addiction, yeah, that's the, the, the energy, drive, enthusiasm, reward, right? That's the reward center. Um, serotonin, and serotonin has to do with self-esteem, um, flexibility, um, mellowness, <clears throat> GABA, GABA is good for muscle relaxation, sleep, ability to cope with stress. Um, Endorphins are the emotional and physical pain control. So within those four categories, there's a list of symptoms. So I have somebody, people fill out from one to 10, how much they're experiencing the symptoms. And then they go down and fill that out. And then they fill out what substances have they used either now or in the past to manage those symptoms. So based on those two pieces of information, I can look at the chart and figure out which neuro, which amino acids to use to target those symptoms to correct the feeling, to correct the, the symptoms. Is it important um, to eat a certain diet in addition to taking those amino acids? Yes. Yes. So, so you can't have Big Macs and chocolate amino- bars and then, <laughs> and then expect amino acid exactly. therapy to work for you. <laughs> and it, it, all, it totally all goes together. Um, so 
that would be, so this would be considered like the supplemental, I'm going to answer that question in just a second after I say that the amino acid therapy um, typically can last, people can use them for two months up till about 12 months. So it's not an ongoing thing. It also doesn't build up in your system. You feel the effects immediately. Once, once it's a trialing process. So once we figure out um, which amino acids a person you need, then that then I put you on a regimen with taking those amino acids, um, and they can be adjusted up or down. And um, it's it's really amazing to see the instant like within literally like three three to ten minutes, maybe twenty minutes at the most. So for instance, like with focus, because I've used myself as all of this, right? I've used myself for a guinea pig on, that's been part of the fun of starting this business is knowing like I'm living my truth. You know what I mean? Like I'm living my life openly and honestly. And, and I'm so want to help people with something that I've learned that helps me. Um, and I've seen the results of myself. So I have, I never knew I had ADD. I mean, I kind of thought I did, but until I actually went through and charted myself and figured out that, catecholamines, which is the um, focus neurotransmitter system, that I was, my symptoms were very high in that section. And I used to use alcohol. That's exactly what I used to use alcohol for more than anything else was so I could focus because I just, my brain would feel like, oh my gosh. And I had this thought of like, I need to click my brain into place. And, um, and I actually remember reading about somebody else clicking their brain into place and thinking, oh, wow, somebody else feels like that because it would click my brain into place. And so taking tyrosine is the, is the best amino acid for focus. That and then theanine is also good for like a calm focus. Um, there's different kinds of there's different kinds of focus within the scope of this amino acid therapy. There's different kinds of depression. There's different kinds of stress. So it actually targets it that deep. You know what I mean? But so taking the tyrosine, when I just take my dose, all of a sudden I can focus. I mean, it just took away any, because then that would cause cravings for alcohol, because my brain would start to feel like that, and then I would start to crave alcohol, because that's what I used for focus, and I take tyrosine, and then I don't feel like that anymore. This is this is really interesting, and yet I so and the, you know I have to have the disclaimer that like this isn't a medical show, and I'm not a medical doctor. Absolutely, I have no medical oh expertise, yes, yes, yes. and so I'm so I'm listening to it and thinking like this this is amazing, and I can certainly tell you, um, I, I know I sound like a pretty nice lady on the podcast, but if I get hungry, and <laughs> especially if we're traveling. I turn into a crazy person. I mean, <laughs> I am I I panic and I get like my poor husband, he he's we finally have figured this out that all I just have to keep a box of granola bars or something or maybe you tell me what I need, but I have to have something to eat yeah. in the car because if I if I go too long without food, I might not even know that I'm hungry. I might not be having hunger symptoms, but I get you know, they used to have the word hangry, right? Hungry, angry. Well, but yes. I, I really okay. have these like feelings of panic. So I certainly can understand what you're saying yep. about emotions coming from food because it isn't just I'm hungry and I'm mad about it. It's like I have this dew mm -hmm. of emotions that make no sense to me. But all I know is that I really need to yes. do something like something has just, to happen and I just, don't know what it is. You just explained reactive hypoglycemia. I mean, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> hypoglycemia is linked to relapse. Um, it's, it's the blood sugar. A large percentage of alcoholics are hypoglycemic and there's also reactive hypoglycemia, which is where the blood sugar raises because a person isn't, the way you're supposed to eat um, in recovery and arguably any time <laughs> is uh, protein, high amounts of protein, complex carbohydrates, and healthy fats four to six times a day to stabilize blood sugar. Because when blood sugar dips too low, which is what you explained, you get hangry, you get shaky, and then that is a very uh, risky time for people in recovery because 
they'll mistake that feeling of being really hungry and shaky with needing alcohol or whatever their drug of choice is to bring it back up. And the drug of mm-hmm. choice could be sugar. So everything right. we're talking about today could be replaced with food or sugar. It could actually even be replaced with gambling or sex. Um, there's, there, it truly does, especially with the amino acid therapy, there's different ways to target that. But as far as, yes, what you're eating, um, the amino acids aren't, aren't enough. Like those are like supplemental toolbox, but people need a base of, of all the, there's cofactors that need, that are needed to build the neurotransmitters. So typically people are depleted from, um, the B vitamins, huge vitamin C, um, folic acid, zinc, phosphorus, magnesium, and iron. Those are the big ones. And then the essential fatty acids are required for neurotransmission. And essential fatty acids, those are the omega-3 fats that are found in salmon, walnuts, um, um, flax, and fish oil supplements are great. If you're a vegetarian, it's flaxseed oil. And um, my mentor right now is Christina Veselik, and she's at the Academy for Addiction and Mental Health Nutrition. And she recommends three to four grams of fish oil supplementation for people in recovery. And I've been recommending that to my clients and they've been doing great on that. And then yes, in the diet. So the whole idea is to ultimately bring the diet up to where you don't need all of the supplementation, but it is, you know, eating, eating properly takes attention and time. So the main thing to avoid that hypoglycemic reaction is to, to make sure you're getting protein um, at least like a palm of your hand, which is four ounces, which is like 28 grams of protein um, per meal along with the complex carbohydrate. So that would be anything that has usually the foods like produce that have fiber in them, um, grains, um, fruits, vegetables have to be organic if they... If they uh, have an edible skin, it's definitely much better to get them organic because otherwise they're adding pesticides and other um, fertilizers and that kind of thing that you're, we're ingesting, and then that increases the toxic load. So we want to decrease the toxic load. Um, so yeah, let, I, let me I ask you about on. the eating. <laughs> oh, I know you're, this is really interesting, and I, I'm I'm fascinated as you talk about the sort of the ideal diet for. Uh, a person mm-hmm. in sobriety is, it sounded like you said several smaller meals a day rather than three big meals a day. And do you recommend yeah. then, because you said, um, so the mix of, of protein, complex carbohydrates and mm-hmm. healthy fats, should you have all three of those on your plate at all of those meals or do you spread yeah. them out? Okay. So. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's a good. So they should all be. Um, ideally all on your plate at the same time, if that's to food combined that way. And then there's, uh, once people learn how I do like teach people how to read labels and that kind of thing to keep out any, you know, you sure you've heard any ingredients you can't pronounce. Um, an easier way to say that would just be whole, whole foods. Look for when you're buying nuts, make sure it says nuts, you know, it doesn't say nuts, sugar, sunflake at oil, uh, it, you'd be really surprised that when you think you're buying something and then you look at the label and you see that they've added four more things, and especially the one to, re, to avoid is sugar, because sugar will continue to cause that, like that up and down fluctuation in people. And it not only, like I said, can cause the cravings can lead, they can cause more cravings even if you're just craving sugar or food or alcohol, it just can be read as uh, it can be very triggering for people. Um, but it also contributes to weight gain, to fat storage, especially in the gut, because the body doesn't know what to do with all that extra glucose, so it stores it as fat. So you you read my blog back, uh, and I don't expect you to remember details of it, but um, <laughs> oh, you never know. <laughs> But anyone who goes and looks at my blog and, and reads about how I got sober, I got sober using ice cream to replace alcohol uh, for the first few mm-hmm. days. And mm-hmm. whenever I had a craving, I had these little 
little balls of ice cream that I would go and suck on. And, and I realized that it was sort of a twofold thing. It was like a comfort, but also it confused my palate because, you know, the, the, the dry acidic wine that I craved wouldn't have paired with the ice cream that I was then enjoying. And so oh, to I me, mean, that I worked. I do remember you writing about that. Remember me talking about that? So to me, it was like, it was the sugar hit, which sugar can negate alcohol cravings, which you just explained why, because what you're doing is you're mistaking, uh, uh, you know, the, the, your, your, your sugar, um, is it deficiency or your sugar depletion? It feels like a craving. And, um, so if you have a little bit, then, so, so, uh, you know, at first I was like, use ice cream. It works great. But then I, then I realized, oh, well, that's not very responsible. So now I tell people, we'll just keep some sliced oranges in the fridge. And whenever you feel like you, you're craving alcohol, just go and eat a few of those sliced oranges. What would you recommend then? Because what you're saying is to instead, I, I'm saying to meet that craving with a healthier alternative mm-hmm. that will also confuse your palate in addition to giving you a sugar hit. You're saying back up the truck a little bit more. Let's get rid of that sugar spike and depletion cycle altogether so that you're not constantly yes. on the roller coaster. Yes. So, so how quick can a person do that in their in their first days of recovery? Like, what if 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 someone that's you know t- t- choosing today for their day one, ideally, what would you tell them to go in the morning and get on their grocery cart <laughs> to help them get through the rest <laughs> of the day? <laughs> well, there are um, definitely alternatives to. I would. Specific examples would be to your suggestion of, of fruit is always going to be a better choice. Um, fruit specifically with a peel um, or fibrous like berries because they have seeds, you know, the little seeds and the berries, those are fiber. Anything that's going to cushion the blow of the sugar hitting your bloodstream. So anything, anything that tastes sweet like, like fruit um, is a good choice. And it's good to actually, if you added some, like if you did apples with nut butter, because then you're adding a healthy fat with it and getting that creamy sensation and fat, um, contributes to satiety, which is going to help you feel more stable. It's, mm-hmm. it's all about keeping blood sugar stable and anything that's bagels, pasta, all those are, um, those are basically glucose. Those are basically once once you digest it after it, I mean, digestion starts in the mouth, so you already have this salivary amylase that's breaking it down into the glucose com- component. So once it's in your system, it thinks it's sugar. So that's why no white flours, no white sugars, because anything processed and white like that is going to give, it's going to give that, that blood sugar spike, which will lead to the crash which will start the whole thing over again. So protein, fat, and fiber is a better way for me. So when I say complex carbs, um, that just means carbs with fiber, basically. So does, whole, does whole wheat bread and whole wheat pasta, is that any good or is that just, is it not um, enough fiber? It, let's put it this way. It's better. And then that, the reason, the reason why I'm a bit hesitant is because a lot of people are gluten sensitive. So, Wheat is something that that can keep you stuck in a different way because mm-hmm. it affects the gut and can cause gut problems. So to kind of go gluten, this ideally, and I get that people can't do all of this all at once, but uh, a better choice for the complex for the grain would be like a brown rice, um, brown rice in a whole form, even doing quinoa. There's all kinds of pastas that are made out of grains now versus wheat. Um, there's just a large population that has trouble with wheat. So that's, that's why I would steer away from that. Any kind of seeded bread, anything where you're chewing. And then good, uh, good sweetener alternatives, if, uh, lower, on, lower glycemic load. So it just means it's a lower hit to your system on sugar. So like dates, coconut sugar, um, Monk fruit is a good one, if, uh, and molasses, 
is good. Honey, raw organic honey, all of those would be choices to maybe drizzle on um, whole fat, like whole Greek yogurt. So just keep thinking also, not only are we lowering our sugar content, we're increasing our protein consumption, and then you get to eat whole fat stuff. And for some people, that's just just amazing because they've lived for so long on these non-fat, unsatisfying um, forms of of food where full fat is really, it's not going to make you fat. It's going to make you healthier. We've just sort of skimmed the surface of the idea of this, but I can really hear how small changes can make a big impact because you're not telling anyone to limit how much they eat. You're saying, no. is it a, is it a case of eating all you want, but eat the right things? It, what it is, is you will not, overeat if you're eating the right thing. So, so yes, yes. (laughs) People always say, well, what if I don't, what if I don't crave, you know, I don't want to eat that. And it's like, you will eventually crave the right food. So if you say eat all you want, I mean, of course, if someone's going to eat, if we're talking sobriety, it's one thing. If we're talking about people, because they don't want to gain weight. That's another thing is people should, can eat seasonal, organic, unprocessed local foods, soul foods, go to farmer's markets, get it as healthy and fresh as possible. Pretty soon the sweet in fruit is going to taste way better than the sweet in anything else. And that people can, I was talking about how um, eating too much sugar and, and transferring that addiction from alcohol to sugar in the beginning, which is recommended. I know it's even written in, in some AA materials. And I understand people want to do, I understand, you know, it's, it's the least of the two evils, but I think people set themselves up for so much more success if they can start to move away from the sugar and start to eat the real organic, seasonal, and processed local foods. That's going to fill them up. It's going to make them feel vibrant. They're not going to get fat. So you can eat eat as much as you want because your body will tell you when to stop eating if you're eating these kinds of foods. It's going to be enough. You know, there's that feeling of it's never enough with, with alcoholics too. And um, you can eat what you want to feel good. Just eat frequently, eat protein, fat, healthy fiber, treat yourself to the full fat. If you can do dairy... That's another whole topic. Some people can't do dairy. If you can, go ahead and eat whole fat. Um, and then fermented and cultured foods for your gut health, we haven't even talked about at all. <laughs> but making sure the gut is taken care of is very important um, as well because alcohol does a lot of damage to the body. And the good news is that the body wants to heal, and it will. It will over time. It's almost like one day at a time, just like in sobriety, just Look at your diet one day at a time and make small changes with what you can do. You make it sound very doable and very appealing, and I'm definitely going to sort of revisit what I'm what I'm doing because I let a lot of little treats creep into my life, and then the good things get pushed out. But the way that you describe it just makes it sound really simple and enjoyable, and I like that. Before we go, we only have a yeah. few minutes left, but I want to ask you, you know, service is such an important part of recovery, helping others and and just kind of getting out of yourself and doing things for other people. And so you've, you know, you've incorporated this into your work now as this being mm-hmm, your business, mm-hmm. but tell me how it, how it fills you up to help other people do better in their recovery. The number one is, is just me, how it fills me up is me just the better I feel and the stronger I feel in my recovery, the more I want to help people because I, I see, I live it and I see that it can be done and helping people and seeing them change their lives with how they're eating and how they're, it's not even just them, it's their families too, paying it forward to families, um, feeding your family, feeding your feeding yourself and solidifying your sobriety so then you're in a much better place to be the person that you need to be in your family. Um, I also, um, mostly it's, it's because I have now, I'm speaking my truth. I just, it's the most freeing feeling in the world to just be able to talk about it openly and honestly. And I think that makes me feel, that to me makes me the happiest that 
maybe in me feeling free to talk about this and talk about my alcoholism and my past and, and not feel that shame anymore because I'm taking care of myself with nutrition. I'm helping other people with it that maybe other people will be able to speak openly and honestly about that too. Cause I think that's the most direct, that's, that's really how I became whole. That's how I, I reconciled all these different parts of me to where, to a person that I really like now. Oh, I love that. Where can our listeners go <laughs> to learn more about you and your program? My website is nutrition and then the number four recovery.com. So nutrition four, four, number four, recovery.com. And then um, I have my different programs up on there that explain the amino acid therapy and nutrition therapy. And I actually, it's, it's, it's on my website under sobriety. Um, so you can find it there. And then I'm at Chris, Chris at nutrition That's C H R I S at nutrition number four recovery.com. Those are the two best ways. I also have a Facebook page, Nutrition for Recovery. <laughs> I have an Instagram. <laughs> okay, so you're everywhere. <laughs> and also earlier you mentioned the BFB and the She Recovers Together groups. I just wanted to clarify for listeners who don't know that mm-hmm. those are both a, like a secret Facebook group that are devoted to helping people in recovery. She Recovers Together is for women specifically recovering from anything and everything, including disordered eating, mental health, grief, workaholism, addiction, process addiction, um, all kinds of things. Uh, because the theory is that recovery, we're all recovering for something and the process is really similar. So let's just all support each other and grow. Um, and the BFB uh, is the Booth Free Brigade. Uh, again, it's a secret Facebook page. You can't just find it and join it. Someone has to tell you how to do that. So listeners, if you want to know more about that, um, just give me a shout. I, there's, there are lots of other groups as well on the internet. So if you email thebubblehour at gmail.com, I'll do my best to help you uh, get connected with either those groups or something that might be a better fit for you. And also, of course, you can track down Chris at New nutritionforrecovery.com and uh, and she can also um, help you find some some things that might be a good fit for you as well. Chris, thank you so much. It's been such a treat to chat with you and I've learned a lot. I really, really appreciate you taking the time today to be here. Thank you so much, Jean. It's so, so wonderful and such an honor to be on your, on the bubble hour. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's all we have for this week, everyone. I hope that uh, you learned a few little nuggets here and maybe go down to your fridge and have a look and see what are the the best things for you in your fridge. (laughs) See how you're doing. Let me know. (laughs) Let me know if you have any questions or feedback. And uh, also feel free to track Chris down and uh, and let her know uh, how you enjoyed the show today and and, uh, what questions you have, if any, for her. That's it for this week, everyone. So until next time, take good care. I own it. I did that. Not proud that that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from power. Weakness head on me. In a dark corner is where shame lies behind. We think you're strong just cause you keep it on the side. It's just safe and wait there to rob you of your pride. Turn the light on, turn the light on, you can shine. When you see me, I'm not proud of Just want to be free from power. Oh, and I'm You don't have to shout it out on Main Street to be clear. You don't need to whisper to confession them here. Person you should talk to is looking at you in there. And the one who matters most can always
round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.